Welcome into Straight Up Sports. I'm your host, Devin Albertson. Time for a little mailbag episode here on Straight Up Sports about Missouri 8-man football. Uh, first, though, <clears throat> practice starts today. I mean, I'll post this on Monday. So practice starting today. Either you've already had it or you're about to have it this evening. So congratulations. We've made it to the regular season uh, portion a little bit here. Everybody, good luck with practice. Coaches, good luck dealing with the kids. Um, <clears throat> just overall, Stay hydrated this week. It's going to be a little warm here in Missouri, as it always is, start practice. So stay safe. Get, be productive. Everyone stay healthy. That's where I'm going to start out with this. Um, I've been working on my preseason poll to kind of get that going a little bit. I have a list that is written down in the easiest erasable pencil on Excel sheet that you could possibly see. Um, I'm going to finalize my final preseason rankings after I get all the emails back from the coaches. Um, so I can see their rosters a little bit, who they return, who the coaches kind of think are the best teams that kind of the state a little bit and just kind of get more information from that. And after the Jamborees on the 20th, just so I can see more teams in action to get a better grasp on who I think the top 10 team is uh, going forward this year. <clears throat> Should be a lot of fun. A uh, quick recap for the Jamborees. Um, Appleton City hosting Archie and Osceola. Um, Concordia hosting Northland Christian, St. Paul Lutheran, and Santa Fe. Keatsville hosting Knox County and North Shelby. Liberal hosting Greenfield, Jasper, and Lockwood. Platte Valley hosting DeKalb, North Andrew, and Pattonsburg. St. Joe Christian hosting Casey East, Christian out of Kansas, and Stewartsville Osborne. Worth County, they're hosting Albany, King City, and Stanbury. I'm not going to that one, but I'm going to check that one out on Albany TV on their Facebook. Um, it should be a good, that should be a great jamboree. That's probably my favorite jamboree of the weekend. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I knew I could catch that one on Albany TV, so I'm not going to watch it there. I'm going to catch that one later so I can get those four teams and get another four teams that I'm going to for a different game. Uh, Anthony, he'll be going to Tarkio for East Atchison, hosting Bishop LeBlanc, Nottoway Valley, and Rockport. That's a very good jamboree. Um, two teams who I think are going to be really good with EA and LeBlanc, uh, and Rockport and Nottoway Valley, kind of unknowns at this point. We'll see how they kind of turn out. Uh, Nottoway Valley might be sneaking on the radar a little bit. I'm kind of curious how they're going to play this year. We'll see, though, after the Jambri. I'm not – I don't like being um, unsure about the team that I kind of – I went to Nottoway Holt, so I'm unsure about my own monitor kind of deal and how that co-op's going to go. Uh, but it's, it's intriguing, to say the least. Um, and then the co-op that I'm – in the Jambri I'm going to <clears throat> is Bramer hosting Norbert Harden Central, Oric, and Southwest Livingston. It should be a great time there to watch some really good players play. And just to get a look at three teams I haven't seen yet. <clears throat> I've seen the Aggies already down there at Archie's Jamboree, but I have not seen the other three teams yet in action. So I'm very excited for that. <clears throat> so I think that's all I got for the first three minutes of just kind of a recap of what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get to the mailbag now. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of questions. Thank you, everybody, for submitting. I know Coach Dean at Drexel Smith's men, Coach Hayescamp, who used to be at Southwold Nollyholt Smith, stuff in. Um, Coach Damlo, who's an assistant at Northwest Hughesville, submitted a couple of questions. Uh, a couple of players submitted questions as well. Um, Sawyer McAllen, I hope I'm saying your name right, Sawyer, uh, from King City. He submitted a question that's probably going to come at the very end of the podcast. You guys are going to enjoy that one. There'll be a Twitter poll for that one after the podcast is released. <clears throat> and then – Oryx, Blake Buchanan also submitted me a couple questions here on Sunday afternoon. So um, plenty of questions out there. I think I got almost 15 to 20 of them. Uh, a lot of them are pretty just off of each other a little bit, but plenty of stuff for me to go through, so I'm going to get to it right now. Uh, starting off here, I think these were Coach Dean's questions. Um, <clears throat> predictions for the best offense, 
defense, and overall player. One of the teams with most approved and a dark horse team and newest coach, I'll make a splash. That was his questions. I'll start with the best offense. I was looking at last year's stats and trying to see, well, who had the most efficient offense last year? It was Livingston and Archie, Pattonsburg, um, four with Southfield, Nolly Holt, and then Drexel. That was your, your top five scoring offenses. Well, those first four teams lost a lot, either a lot of talent, lost a co-op, and lost a good player, or lost a coach. And a lot of stuff is just changing with those first top four teams. Drexel, there's not a whole lot changing. But I think their offense is going to stay pretty steady from what it was last year, maybe even get a little better because Jacob Coffey, as we'll get to in a minute, is very good. Corey Compton, very good. Good offensive line, good coach there. So I'm actually going with Drexel. Uh, might actually lead the state in points per game this year. That would be really exciting. A uh, team that definitely hangs their hat more on defense, but they can put points up on the board. The only thing that might keep them from leading the state in points per game is if their defense holds people down to zero points or scoring 60. That's just not – their starters aren't going to play enough for that. It might just be 40s and 50s, but they'll be a really efficient on offense. So I'm, I'm putting Drexel there right now. Just because there's so many unknowns with other teams, like King City, I think have a very good offense. Um, what if, well, based on myself from Archie, they can have a really good offense as well. I'm just, I'm not going to put them up there right now with the sophomore quarterback. I want to see them do it a little bit. Oric as well. <clears throat> South Holt is going to put up points, but there's a lot of, um, what are they going to do on offense without Quinlan? Will the new kid, um, Kendall Nolan, will he step up a little bit there at quarterback? Will someone else play quarterback? There's a lot of unknowns for a lot of teams. So I'm going with the safe bet right now in Drexel with, um, coffee. Um, best defense. Since I used Drexel on, on offense, I wasn't going to use my defense. They might leave the state in points per game on defense. I'm not sure uh, based on their schedule. I think it's a decent chance they do again. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with East Ashton and Stanbury. They're two teams that will, are fine with grinding the game out, playing low scoring. They did it last year twice. Uh, Stanbury won both of those games. And I've just been really impressed with their physicality the last couple of years. So I put EA and Stanbury as my top defense is coming into 2021 and why they're both in the top five um, for a lot of people coming into the season. Okay, break best overall player, and I'm actually going to pair this with Blake Buchanan's questions. With He had a few of them. It was breakout player, best upperclassman, and best underclassman. I kind of split that up again as the best senior, best junior, best sophomore. I don't know about freshman at this point. I didn't watch junior high football last year, and I want to see freshmen kind of prove it before I put even, any of them there at this point. Maybe week one or two, I'll start – repeating them a little bit more. But at this point, <clears throat> I got Jacob Coffey as the best player in the state. He's a junior, so he's my best junior as well. He gets just a stud. I mean, every time I, I went down south last weekend or last week, week before, I don't remember now, time runs together, and everyone's like, well, Drexel's going to be good. They got coffee. It watched coffee. He looks really good. So he's right now at the top for me um, <clears throat> going around the state. There's other really good players in that junior class. Tanner Damlow from Northwest Hughesville comes to mind. Um, and a couple other players as well that for some reason just escaping me at this point. Um, so that's what I have right there. Uh, best senior I have is Parker Muff. There's a lot of really good linemen this year, but I'm going to stick with the seal guy, Parker. Kid's a stud. He's a workhorse there for King City. If he stays healthy, King City is going to be a hard team to beat this year. That's what I have there. Uh, sophomore, um, I was going through my list. I totally forgot this kid for some reason. Actually, there's three of them here that I was kind of considering – Sheber from Stanbury, Ecker from North Andrew, I believe is a sophomore. I believe he is. Um, and then Jackson Miller from Oric. And I'm actually going to go with Sheber for right now for Stanbury. Uh, he's proven the most to this point. He's a dang good running back. Uh, pretty good little linebacker there for Stanbury. 
and he's kind of the future for their running back room. Now, you know, another Sheba there at Stanbury just kicking butt. I believe he's a sophomore. I know he's a sophomore. I'm pretty sure Eckert's a sophomore as well from North Andrew. Uh, so they're a really fun kind of trio there to watch. There's some of the young players in the state who are developing and coming up into their own. So that's what I have for there. Uh, breakout players, I had three of them down on my list. I mentioned him earlier. Tanner Damlow from Northwest Hughesville. I think he's just a kid who put up decent numbers last year, but no one really paid attention to Hughesville last year because they've been bad in the past. They did go 5-2 and two or 5-3 and three last year. They had a lot of COVID issues. Um, and they're a team that's bringing everybody back from last year's team besides Mason Locke, who got hurt week one or two for him. So everyone who played meaningful minutes last year for them as their season progressed is back this year, and he's a big reason why people think they're going to be pretty good this year. So he's a kid that's been kind of flying under the radar, but I think this year he's going to break out even more and kind of make Hughesville more of a household name across the state. Um, Reggie Love, LeBlanc, running back. Talked to multiple coaches, and they're really impressed with Reggie, what he did last year. I think this year he can come back. LeBlanc's going to be a better team, and he's get a little more uh, spotlight and love for him. So Reggie Love is on my list of breakout players. And then a kid that really is flying on the radar right now, he's a sophomore at Archie, quarterback Briar McIntyre. I think he's a kid who is progressing at a pretty good rate. I know last year as a freshman stepping in for Tucker Wolf when he missed a couple of games, he had his struggles. But a whole offseason to prepare, a whole offseason working with Coach Smith there at Archie, and I was really impressed with him at the Jamboree. Throws a good ball. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, defensively, likes to hit. Uh, that could be a point where your quarterback, like, hey, maybe see a little healthier, but we'll see how it goes this year. I think he's a kid that could really step his game up and kind of uh, shine into the spotlight if Archie can stay that second or third best team, maybe compete for Drexel with that best team in the Wemo. That could really be a breakout due to Briar McIntyre, um, as well as Caden Sutton, uh, Dylan Sutton's little brother. So, couple of good players around the state who I'm probably missing with this. I realized that uh, this was just kind of the first names that kind of popped to my list in my mind of guys who could break out and have really good seasons. Um, and I've heard a lot of good stuff. I know it's the first year of the program, new head coach and Coach Bassett at Northland Christian, but Dante Birch, I hear he's got a lot of speed. I've seen a few videos. The kid's fast. I'm curious what he's going to be able to do there in the eight-man level and just what – they're going to be able to put around him to kind of highlight his speed and everything. Just a name to kind of look out for week one against St. Joe Christian, their former co-op uh, school there with them. So just a name, just maybe not just a circle and Sharpie, but just maybe mention just in the back of your mind uh, as the season goes mm-hmm. on with him uh, going forward. Um, I think that's about it that I have that list. I'm sorry if I miss anybody, but those are kind of the games, names that first pop off my list that people don't talk about enough, but I think could play really well this season. Okay, back to Coach Dean's questions. Uh, team with the most to prove? <clears throat> I think there's three of them. And it's really not even these teams' fault they need to prove themselves. There's a stigma around the state, and I know talking to coaches and just stuff like that, that they want to break that stigma and push this eight-man across the state. A team outside of Northwest Missouri needs to win a state championship, and this will be the 34th season of eight-man football. Four times the team south of St. Joe, kind of the DeKalb area, has made a state championship game. And that's been Miami in 88, Miami in 01, Harden Central in 07, and Sacred Heart in 17. <clears throat> so it hasn't happened very regularly. Drexel's been close the last couple of years. They're a team on my list here that if they can make a state championship game or maybe even win one, that's huge for the rest of the state because it breaks a monopoly that eight man has right now in Northwest Missouri usually the big four with Worth County, Stanbury, North Andrew, Mound City, even Livingston dropping in this year, St. Joe Christian in the past. 
just a team to break through that. So I think Drexel, Oregon, and North Shelby have the best chance to break that seal a little bit, make a deep playoff run, maybe get to a state championship game, and kind of help the, the opinion of the South and the East grow a little bit, and those teams get a little more recognition earlier in the season by team, by people outside of me and Anthony and Tim and Benny, stuff like that. People who are up in the Northwest would be like, you know what, that team down South is very good. We do have to worry about them, not, oh, that team from the South, we're going to play in the semifinals, we'll beat them by 50, we'll go to the state championship. The real state championship game is our district championship game. I want to get away from that so bad. I think the best way to do that is have one of these teams win a state title this year. That's as simple as it is. I know it stinks. These teams deserve more respect, but I think that's what's best for the state uh, going forward. <clears throat> All right. Um, now, the next one, Dark Horse slash Sleeper Team. Coach Dean sent me this. Also, Coach Damlo sent me this as well. Um, two of them come to mind. I've already mentioned a couple of players earlier, Northwest Hughesville and Bishop LeBlonde. I think they're both going to be very good this year. Um, right now, I have Hughesville inside my top ten. That's still not set in stone. LeBlonde is beating on the door for that as well. I think there are two teams that are going to be very much improved this year for a couple of years of down football a little bit. So I think there's some teams that you can kind of look at. And one more I want to throw in there, just just to mention, is St. Paul Lutheran. I know they went 5-2 and two last year, but I think that 5-2 and two still went under the radar just because they missed a couple of weeks of COVID. They missed the playoffs due to COVID, so people didn't get to see them late in the year and see how they match up with other teams. But they played Drexel tough last year. They lost to Pattonsburg, but they played them tough for a while. They play a certain style that I think could maybe play late into the season, so I'm curious with Lutheran how they do this year. I liked what I saw there at the Archie team camp. Just a team to keep an eye out for that could be a real dark horse to come out. Uh, they play Oric week one, very big game for them in Oric. <clears throat> All right, next. Two coaches. Um, this is two or three questions here that kind of relate to each other. This is either Dean or Hayes Camp. I don't remember which one said which, but they gave me these three questions between the two of them. Um, I think this first one was Dean, though. Newest coach that'll make the biggest splash. And I'm just including the coaches that weren't eight-man last year and just came in this year. I'm going with Jasper's Mark McFarland. Jasper was a team last year I watched. Walking off the bus, onto the field, they looked the part. They looked every bit as good as everybody else I saw. But it just didn't correlate to what happened on the field and just their play. There was something missing. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Everything I heard is McFarland's a very good coach. He coached at um, Gerard, Kansas, the D coordinator, for many years. I think he can get that program right back up and maybe even challenge Archie for that second-best place team in the Wemo. maybe Drexel for that first place. I think he's in the best position of the 12 coaches that we had come in this year. Um, I can go through those again as well with Jordan Bryant, Bryant Greenfield, McFarland at Jasper, uh, Garrett, I think it's Zoucha at Liberal. Andrew Watson, Norbert Harden Central. David Stuckey at North Shelby should have a lot of success as well. We'll see what happens there. Big shoes to fill there with Coach Bass. Um, then Bass and Thacker, who I left off this list because they're technically not new. They're new to the team. That's about it. Uh, Keaton Hawkins at Pattonsburg. I'm interested to see what he does there. Johnny Silkett there at Platte Valley. Used to be the superintendent at South Nottoway. Retired just to work at Jefferson and coach football. So... <laughs> Working retirement is always fun there. Uh, Liggins there at Rich Hill. Pate Croy at Carlos Livingston has his work cut out for him. Lost 12 seniors from last year's team. They should be really good. They'll see, we'll see how they kind of bounce back from that. And then John Adwell taking over at Worth County is another interesting one as well. So, But I'm going to go with McFarland for right now for that one. Uh, going forward, uh, which 
which eight-man coach who changed schools would have the most success. So this is down to either Bass or Thacker, based on what I'm reading kind of for it. And I'm going with Thacker. Oric has been a sleeping giant here for the last couple of years. I There's so many coaches that respect Coach Thacker around the state. I respect what he does in the football field. Um, I think they're a team that's primed to have a really good season. I think Kirk Thacker is the right man for the job there at Oric. Which new eight-man program has the best season? So this is a pool of five teams. You have Knox County, Northland Christian, St. Joe Christian, Greenfield, and Lockwood. I'm going with Lockwood. I saw them at the Jamboree, uh, the Jamboree, but this team camp there at Appleton City. I like what they had there a little bit. I think they have a pretty good coach based on what I'd seen of him working with the guys and how much they were even progressing through those couple of hours there at Appleton of how much they're learning and how much they're um, just maturing as the day was going on, let alone with a couple weeks of practice and everything. So I like Lockwood to be the best team there for right now. I think Northland Christian in the future could be an issue. I think Seth Bass is going to build a program there, so we'll watch them as well. <clears throat> Knox, they're in a good position out there in the Northeast uh, with playing just North Shelby and everything like that, so it should be interesting with those kind of going forward. St. Joe Christian's had success in the past. Uh, Greenfield as well. So there are five decent programs coming down here to eight-man football that we should all embrace a little bit for that. Um this next question was from Hayes Camp. Which top-tier program is poised to take a step backwards? I don't like taking steps backwards or using that kind of a thing, but I think there's two teams, both 275 conference teams that I kind of have uh, for this one, just because who are the top-tier teams? If you're thinking of top-tier, you have the four powerhouses, Stanbury, Worth County, North Andrew, Mound City. I'm going to include Southwest Livingston in this because they've – since 2012, they've been eight wins or more every year. They've been right there with it. Those are just kind of the teams I look at as kind of the top-tier programs. Then you have your East Ashton's, your South Holtz, your Archie Drexel, stuff like that, North Shelby at this point. Those teams are right there, but a lot of those teams are still going to be decent, I think. But I think it's Mount City just because you saw what happened last year when they lost to Osborne and Landon Papa. They lost Caden Messer to graduation. I know they got killed with injuries in the COVID last year. I'm just not sure how they progress going forward. Their team, I can see, is taking a step back. I don't think 295 is going to be great this year, so I still think them taking a step back is five, six, six, seven wins going into the postseason. So it's not a huge step back, but I don't think they're going to be the powerhouse they have been the last two years, two years ago, kind of that little stretch of three years, and even the de- two decades before that. Like they were a powerhouse for a long time. They'll take, I think, a mini step back. We'll see. I want to see what they kind of look like before I, I'm not going to announce Mount City's dead. And then Southwest Livingston, I'm gun-shy with them because last year I picked against them too much and they came back one state. But losing 12 seniors is just so tough. I, I like some of the guys they have there with Aish and Holt and the senior kid. But I think they're, they're going to take a step back from last year. That's, that's I'm, They're not going to be the team they were last year. They're going to be a pretty good team, just not great kind of deal. That's how I'm looking at the top-tier teams take a step back. It might just be a little step back, but it's going to be a little step back for those two teams based on what they have been in recent history. Um, next question. So this kind of correlates with the question from earlier. It said, which team south of the camp will break the streak and win the state title, and will it be this year? This is from Coach Hayes Camp. It's going to be Drexel or Warwick, I think, will be the two best guesses. You know, it has to be this year or next year just because of the talent they kind of have there. I think that's the best chance – these teams kind of have. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with right now. 
I think it's going to happen, though. It's bound to happen with 38 teams. We'll be over 40 here soon, in my opinion. We'll get to another question like that later. Um, but there's just too much talent spread across the state for Northwest Missouri to keep winning the state championship every year kind of deal. So it's going to happen, whether it's North Shelby out east doing it. Um, that would also be kind of cool. Um, maybe a Lockwood can break in to do it. Whatever it is, it needs to happen from some team outside of Northwest Missouri. It'll happen sometime. I'm just not sure it'll be this year, next year, the year after. Uh, but it's going to happen here relatively soon, in my opinion. Okay, next question. Another Misha-related question. So these are always fun. This is from Coach Damlo. Um, Misha's sticking with four districts. They got an email, apparently. So apparently they're going to go with four districts. What do you think this means for our playoff system? Well, first of all, I think it's going to mean a lot of travel in the first couple weeks of the playoffs for no reason at all. Instead of having teams that are in three or four, like four or five team pods that are decently close to each other, that could travel lightly the first couple of weeks of the playoffs, and then if quarterfinals and state semifinals and stuff like that, you have to travel farther, that makes sense. You've earned that right. You've made the quarterfinals. you made the state semifinals. If you travel far, it happens. Your teams are around the state. I get it. The first couple of weeks, there's no reason to have these long road trips for the first couple of weeks when they're probably going to be blowouts. I'm not, not, not sugarcoating this right now. It's just the way it is. So let me see if I still have that build up here of what I think the district's going to be. So instead of, for example, Northeast Missouri is a perfect point for this. There's four teams up there, Keatsville, Knox, North Shelby, Schuyler. There are three of them are in a little pod, and Keatsville is pretty close to them for that area kind of deal for close. That's a good pod for a district. Now you're going to add them in with, like, you either push them way west, and they're going to be in the same district as, like, Albany, King City, Platte Valley, Stanbury, Worth County, which is going to be a two-and-a-half, three-hour trip for one of those teams to either go to North Shelby or Knox or Knox come to them. That's a long trip for a district game. No reason for that. Or you have even down south where you can put Jasper, Greenfield, Liberal, Lockwood in a nice little pod in the south, and then the winner of that district can play the winner of Appleton, Archie, Directville, Oteal, or Rich Hill. And then if you have an hour-and-a-half, two-hour drive between Lockwood and Drexel, that's fine. It's a quarterfinal game, not, oh, this is the second round of districts where Lockwood has traveled to Archie for the second round of districts, district semifinals, you have a two-hour trip. That's, that's ridiculous. There's no reason for that. And it was recommended to Misha to go to 16 districts and 11-man from classes one through five, and then class six and eight-man to go to eight districts of, I think it's a three to four teams. It'd be four to five. They can't do math either, apparently. It just it mind boggles the stupidity of this decision. If Misha, the whole point of the district system is to reduce travel in the first couple rounds, and there's a better way to do it, and they're not doing it. It's utterly mind blowing that they're doing it this way. But then again, it's not. It's perfectly reasonable and just almost expected at this point. I was hoping for eight districts, I thought it was the best idea. But now we're going to get a um, Northwest Hughesville Northland Christian game that's going to be a two-hour, hour-and-a-half trip in the second-round districts. And it's like, why? Why do we need this? We don't. But I digress. I wish we had a quarterfinal round. I wish you had it so it would be you and your districts, you go to quarterfinals. You and your quarterfinal game, then you go to semifinals. Right now it's your district championship game and your quarterfinal is the same round. It's the same thing. So making the district semifinals is not as 
good as an accomplishment as it could be kind of deal. So it's, I think it devalues a little bit of that a little bit. And devalues going farther in the playoffs. I think it takes away from that a little bit. So that's where I'm kind of at with it. I think it's the wrong decision. Just just not smart. A lot of the coaches, I post my predictions for districts and being eight teams, and a lot of the coaches are like, that's a great idea. Look at that. You reduce travel. I mean, you have a district of Concordia, Norbert Harden Central, Hughesville, Lutheran, and Santa Fe. Those teams are all really close to each other. A nice little pod. There's some natural rivalries in that area. Um, there's going to be some trips. No matter where you do for districts, there's going to be some trips. But this, these districts would have helped reduce that a little bit and reduce those trips until later in the playoffs, which is when you want the longer trips anyways. That's just the way I look at it. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. So I'll, I have, I'll probably go on a rant for that once it's official on August 27th and they announce districts. I'm sure that following Saturday and do my recap show, I'll rage about that or maybe on the Facebook Live for the game, I'll rage about that a little bit more. So you'll hear plenty more from me about Michigan doing stupid things with districts. Anyways, next – I got a two-part question again from Hayes Camp. Uh, make a prediction of how many more teams will go eight man. Will go hashtag go eight man in the next couple of years, um, and then also we'll reach a point where we have two classes of eight man football. First part, I'm keeping an eye on like six teams or so that I think who are on the lower level of class one in terms of enrollment, who have some natural rivals who are now eight man, who it might make sense for them to go eight man going forward. Um, starting out with. Sweet Springs, Slater, and Wellington Napoleon. There's a lot of teams in our area in the central part of the state who are starting to go eight-man now. So they might have some longer 11-man trips than they would have an eight-man. They're towards the bottom of enrollment in Class 1. I know Sweet Springs and Slater have even contemplated going eight-man last three or four years. Uh, Sweet Springs was going to go eight-man last year, and they had a last-second reversal uh, whenever Concordia and all them came down. They were going to go down with them, and they decided to stay right now. I think this is a matter of time before they come down and kind of renew the rivalries with the Concordias, the Santa Fe, the Lutherans, and stuff like that, and kind of renew those a little bit. I think Lincoln's another team who used to be eight-man, went back to 11-man. I think they'd be a team that might end up popping back up. We'll see. They're kind of lower level with enrollment as well, but we'll have to see with that one. Then two teams in the Northeast with Scotland and Paris. Uh, I think there's a couple teams that they're looking around their conference, Skyler just dropped down. North Shelby's been down for a while. Knox is down. Uh, Keatsville there is eight man. So there's our makings of a conference in North East Missouri. If a couple more teams like them drop down um, and come to eight man, it could be interesting. They might end up making that decision just to help with travel. Kind of North Shelby for a long time was the only team in Northeast Missouri. They had to deal with travel budgets, but they had to because of numbers. There's other teams trying to drop down that area to help North Shelby out and help those other teams out keep the rivalries and keep some low trips for them as well. Uh, Mileage-wise, also, if Salisbury wants to go eight-man, that's great. Or Magruder back in eight-man, he can't leave us. We'll try to snatch him back if we can, but I'm not sure if they're even looking for it. I just want to mention that. Maybe get Magruder, uh, staff of Slippings' coach the last two years, back to the eight-man level so he can rejoin our Twitter uh, threads and everything like that and be an actual member of eight-man football. Uh, we, love, we love you, Coach Magruder. Um, and then at which point will we have to have two classes of eight-man I don't see it anytime soon. We'd have to have at least 60 to 70 teams. We'd have to – the enrollment gap between the lowest – the smallest teams and the biggest teams would have to be pretty big. Mitch is probably going to expand the enrollment um, restrictions for that to happen. And Michigan doesn't care about eight-man football. So if there's 50 teams in eight-man football, they can put it all in one class and have it one game and be done with it. They're going to do that. 
they don't care about class one, eight man football, class two. It's the big money makers above that they care about. That's just the way it is right now with Misha. So I'm not holding my breath. They're going to do two classes, make it a little more even. But that's where we're at right now. And a lot of the better teams right now are the smaller enrollments, but Stanbury, North Shelby, I think Oryx pretty small as well, that are still performing at a high level. So I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue right now. It might be here a couple years down the road. But I think we're five to ten years at least from that coming into the discussion. So that means Misha is probably 15 years away from actually making a decision on it. So, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I have one final question that's going to take a while to get to. So, take a quick break. When I come back, I have Sawyer's question next on Straight Up Sports. All right, we're back on Straight Up Sports. Devin Albertson here in Little Missouri, eight-man um, mailbag question time. Now, we went through a lot of the questions earlier, went through a lot of stuff, but this one is my favorite question of the week. Uh, so, shout-out to Sawyer. One of the offensive defense linemen there at King City um, for this question. Really got me thinking, got me down a rabbit hole that I really enjoyed. He said, if you had to make an eight-man starting lineup, who would be on it? And kind of a reason why kind of deal for all of it. So the way I kind of ran with this, when I had starters for offense and defense, no one starts both ways. So, and I kind of adjusted as well. I'm going to have nine on both sides of the ball. There's going to be an extra receiver and an extra either linebacker or DB, depending on your scheme and everything like that. So I'm going to have three offensive linemen, two tight ends, a receiver, quarterback, and two running backs. And then on defense, four defensive linemen, preferably two inside and two DNs, three linebackers, and then two defensive backs. So I went with nine on both sides of the ball. Just I didn't want to put just two linebackers. There's too many linebackers just to split it down to just two. So this is where I kind of did with that. So this is where I'm going to go. Starting with quarterback, I'm going to list all the guys I kind of considered here in the first part of this. Uh, Tanner Damlo from Hughesville, Cale Stoneburner from North Shelby, Jake Tackmeyer from Concordia, Zane Reed, Pattonsburg, Landon Wells, King City, Aiden Gladstone from North County, Kemper Klein from Albany, Peyton McFrederick from Rich Hill, and Blake Buchanan from Oric. And I decided to go with Buchanan. Um, he's a senior. I think he's a three. He's a three-year starter at least. Might be his fourth year starting there at Oric now. Very good football player. I think last year was a slight step back in his progression, but I think this year he's going to take a huge step forward. He's the best combination from the guys I'm seeing on here of guys who can run and guys who are very competent passing as well. I think he's a perfect little blend of that, and he's been one of the best player, better players in the state over the last couple of years, and there's no reason with him being a senior right now that he wouldn't be my pick. For quarterback, there's other guys who are super talented, but I went with Buchanan which also takes him out for me at DB on the other side, but quarterback, but went for the first on that. Then running back, had to pick two guys, uh, guys I consider Jacob Coffey, Parker Muff, uh, Tucker Sheever from Stanbury, Hayden Ecker, North Andrew, Reinhardt from Worth County, Justin Lunsford from North Shelby, Mitchell Avalos from Jasper, Brody Scroggins from Southolt, and Reggie Love from LeBlond. I ended up going with Coffey and Muff. I think they're two of the t- top three players in the state. So I had to put him on there. Running back's very important in eight-man football. Uh, I was going to shock people I said that, but he's your best athlete. He gets the ball a lot. Good luck stopping him. Kind of deal with where I'm at with Coffee. I know Coffee's going to play quarterback this year, but in this scenario, in this starting lineup, he is my running back. So that's why he made this list uh, here for me on this one. And I can't leave him off there. Uh, I thought about just putting Coffee on defense because he's that good of a linebacker, but I want to score some points, so I put him on my offense. Tight ends. Um, Kyle Smith from North Shelby. 
<clears throat> and then Hayden Lamasters from Jasper. I almost put Lamasters on defense, but I needed some tight ends. Tight end was a little tougher for me to do than linebacker. There's a lot of good ends last year graduated. So I'm trying to figure out who's coming back this year, who's going to be a really good tight end, who can I trust to block and to catch passes a little bit there at the end position. These are two guys that came to mind kind of first and foremost. Other guys I considered for this, Tyler. Also, I'll just say wide receiver, Brody Langfit from Pattonsburg. I mean, he's probably caught already 1,000 balls there in Pattonsburg the last couple of years. Very good athlete for him. Um, so he's he was my spot for the receiver. Uh, other guys I considered uh, for this tight end receiver spot, Tyler Schwayback from Stanbury, Braden Graves from East Atchison, William Rother from Mound City, Nick Crosswhite from Hughesville, Keaton Lair from Norbert Harden Central, and Corbin Taylor from King City, I believe, plays in. Uh, those are the guys I kind of considered there for that spot, but I ended up choosing the three I did in Smith, Lamasters, and Langfit. O-line now. now. A lot of these guys, some of these guys I didn't pick for the initial O-line, but they're going to be on my defensive line. So bear with me. Guys I considered, Christian Ward, Archie, Sawyer from King City, Owen H. from Livingston, Austin Colvin, Stanberry, Kirby Stevens and Truman Reynolds from Albany, Chase Moss from King City, Jacob Chittum from North Andrew, Austin Pride, Worth County, <clears throat> Dylan McElwain from North Shelby, Caleb Mayfield from Drexel, Jackson Schaefer from South Holt, only a sophomore, very good player there for him, uh, Austin Sluter from East Ashton. I considered all these guys, but for the best blend of offense and the defensive line on the other side, this is what I went for offensive linemen, three guys who just like to hit people. Christian Ward, Sawyer, and Owen H. That's who I went for with my offensive line. Owen was probably the closest guy to switching on the defense of the three guys I had here because he's a monster there at D-tackle. But I went with a little different style there for my D-tackles on the other side of the football, which I'll get to now. But it's a pretty good old line there. Uh, my, for my starting offense, so it was Buchanan, Coffey, Muff, Kyle Smith, LeMasters, Langfit, Ward, McCallan, and H. So <clears throat> that's my starting offense. <laughs> good luck having that offense. It's a dynamic backfield. It's a, such a fun team. But on defense, starting defensive end on one side, I'm sorry, I'm a, guys I kind of mentioned here, of course, Aish, Ward, and Sawyer are all going to be in the running. Tyler Schwayback from Stanbury, Lance Wallace from Stanbury, Cameron Nance from East Ashton, Doyle and Lair from Norbert Harden Central, Hayden Dixon from Skyler, Mike Munner from Drexel, uh, Schwanky from North Shelby. The guys I went with, though, <clears throat> D end Ethan Kirby out of St. Paul Lutheran. Watch that kid at the Archie Jamboree, uh, Archie team camp. The kid is an animal. He's big, he's strong, he's motivated. And I want a big guy like that defending my edge there and getting after the passer. He was pretty much unblockable there. I like Ethan Kirby. Uh, the other defensive end position, I have Caleb Mayfield from Drexel. I got two beasts on the outside, setting the edge, stopping people from getting around my outside. Good luck uh, running there. So you're trying the middle. Good luck, Austin Colvin, Stanbury, and James Herr from Nottoway Valley. Two guys who you're just not moving up front. Colvin's got a mean streak as well. James Herr is just a big, unmovable uh, nose tackle there. So those are the four guys I have across the front line. <clears throat> At linebackers, guys I considered, Jackson Miller from Oric, Kaylin Merriweather from East Ashton, Caden Crooker from Northwest Hughesville, as well as Sheber from Stanbury, Rundy from Worth County, Runnels from Albany, Coyne from Pattonsburg, Noah Greenwell and Kyle Smith from North Shelby. I'll pick Kyle on offense. <clears throat> Jacob Coffey, who's an offensive player. Corey Cunthard from Drexel. Levi Hunter, Archie. LaMasters, I consider a linebacker from Jasper. Reggie Love from LeBlanc. Colton Stevens from Rockport. And Hayden Ferry from Platte Valley. I considered all these guys at linebackers. That's why I went with three linebackers. <clears throat> the three guys I chose 
Jackson Miller from Oric, Kaylin Merriweather from East Atchison, and Caden Crooker from Northwest Hughesville. Those are the three guys I decided to take there. Three guys just tackling machines. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I have there. Those three behind that D-line would just be absolutely nasty. <clears throat> um, up next, two DBs. Um, guys I was considering, Hayden Ecker, North Andrew, Stoneburner from North Shelby, well as Braxton Gibson from Stuart Philosborn, Ty Mooney from King City, Carson Orr from North Shelby, Aiden Hartgrave from Jasper, and Braden Schick from North Bernhardt Central. <clears throat> I went with Ecker and Stoneburner. So my defense, got Ethan Kirby, Austin Colvin, James Herr, Caleb Mayfield, along with Jackson Miller, Caleb Merriweather, Caden Crooker, Hayden Ecker, and Caleb Stoneburner. So those are the two teams I have kind of for the offense and defense. And as I was thinking through this, would my offense that I picked score against my defense that I picked and vice versa, if I had those guys on defense playing offense, guys like offense on defense kind of flip the <clears throat> sides of the ball. First of all, how that look? All right, my offensive guys, my D line. Let me get this pulled up here. <clears throat> this is gonna be team one, the Buchanan's team. They're on offense with Cuff, Coffee and Muff. Their defense would be Ward, Ace, Sawyer, and Parker along the defensive line. <clears throat> Parker Muff. My linebackers would be Lamasters, Coffee, and Smith. My DB would be Buchanan. With Langfit uh, subbing in as well, he'd be my eighth, my ninth defender. Kind of deal with that. Pretty good defense. On the other side, team two, which is Ethan Kirby, Austin Colvin on defense. Their offense would be Kirby at tight end, Colvin, Her, and Mayfield across my offensive line, Crooker and my other tight end. Then Kale Stoneburner at quarterback, with Ecker and Jackson Miller in the backfield, with Kalen Merriweather being my offensive weapon to play a little receiver or running back for me and kind of subbing in there as well. So that's my starting offense and defense for both those. I will post both of these. Actually, I'll post all three of these uh, Monday. So you get them after the pod. You might see them on Twitter already. Let me know what you think. Which team would win? Team one, team two. Um, what do you think of my rosters in the general? So if you think I'm missing anybody, some of you think I snubbed, I didn't even mention on this podcast kind of deal because I'm sure I missed somebody because um, there's 38 teams of really good players around the state. <clears throat> so that's what I had, though. That was a really fun question. I went 10 minutes on that alone, just picking all-star games pretty much uh, for this one, guys who are fresh sophomores to seniors pretty much, and picking guys from that list. <clears throat> I would lean team one would win just because of the Buchanan coffee muff factor. I think they're three of the best players in the state. But it'd be one of those deals where it's those skill guys versus the monsters <clears throat> up front for the other team. So that's where I'm kind of at with both back and forth with those. With good skill guys, I mean, Hayden Necker's a good player. Stonebunner is a good quarterback. Jackson Miller is a good young player for Oric. Uh, Kalen Merriweather is one of the best players and one of the best players in the uh, one of the best teams in the state. So a lot of good talent here. It was tough cutting down. Um, if I could put Tucker Schieber on team two and have him just play offense or something like that, and have Jackson Miller just play defense kind of deal and just have them split up like that, that team would be even more dangerous. I think because I think Schieber is just that good of a player at running running the ball. I'm not saying that Miller is not, but Schieber is just well, I think he's the third or fourth best running back in the state. And I just kind of missed him on here just because <clears throat> I had two really good running backs in front of him on the other team kind of deal. So, but a lot of fun. Also, who do you think would, should coach both these teams? Hmm? Hmm? I think it'd be interesting as well if you could match a couple coaches there. One really good offensive guy, one really good defensive guy, and have them coach these teams up against each other. It'd be a lot of fun. I know it's, it's all just fodder at this point, just talk, but I think it'd be a lot of fun just to kind of see – 
what it would look like. So, well, that's what I have for you guys. I'm pretty much done at this point with this podcast. It's going to be 45 minutes long at this point. So, hope you guys enjoyed it to this point. Um, so, again, I'll be going to the Jamborees on the 20th. I'm going to try to go to Northland Christian in their practice here next week, this upcoming week. Just kind of see them in action a little bit and get a look at the new team and say hi to Coach Bass. Um, just because I hadn't seen him since the All-Star game a little bit. And now he's in my backyard instead of three hours away. So I can see Coach Bass a little bit more now. Uh, after meeting him last year for the first time in the North Andrew game. I like Coach Bass. I mean, have talked for quite a while here. He's on Twitter because he's so far away just to give me some updates and everything like that. So I enjoy talking to the coaches. Um, by the way, all the coaches have been great at getting back to me um, on just my preview stuff and getting more information on the team to kind of look at everybody to see how everybody kind of looks going into the year and whatever his kind of expectations are around the state. Some coaches are like, I don't know, maybe Stanbury, maybe King City. I heard Albany's good. Stuff like this, stuff like that that I'm really intrigued by. North Shelby should be good. Drexel's really good. Just teams that I knew were going to be pretty good, I just want to get some coaches' perspective because they see the teams in their area. They know a little bit of the day-to-day of who they have to scheme for. So it's good to get that coach's perspective as well. I just, I just love talking football. And some of the coaches are like, I'm sorry, I'll probably give you more information than you want. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll take all the information. If you want to give me more, I'm not going to stop any coach from telling me more information, even if it's a little bit filler. That's fine. I will talk football any day, all day with guys. That's where I'm kind of at with that. And, of course, as a staple of the podcast, uh, Coach Dean tweeted at me during with a question, how many talk, How many dogs is too many dogs? Um, as long as they get rid of the cats, it don't really matter. Dogs over cats. What up? <laughs> um, not a cat guy, but – Drexel should be pretty good this year. I'm pretty excited to see that. I'm a, actually going – I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. I'm going down to Lewisburg to go uh, show Coach Dean what's up in basketball again. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, i got to get ready for that, though. So, again, check me out on Twitter at Devin Albertson, Mohawk Man Football on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I will post this kind of my template and everything like that that I had for both the teams. Shoot me a message. Reply back. Tell me what you think. Tell me why I'm an idiot. Tell me why I'm great. Whatever it may be. Uh, thanks to everyone who um, submitted a question or a comment, whatever it may be, even you, Coach Dean. Uh, um, with that, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking this. Uh, practice. Football's here. Football practice has started. We are uh, two weeks of practice away from the first jamboree and then game after that. So should be a lot of fun. We are counting down the days until week one of the football season is here. Uh, that's it. Thank you guys for listening to Shadow Sports. Until next time.